Hi, I'm Klaus Moberg. I'm the CEO of Snowshoe, and you are listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. It's me, your host. I'm Paul Kemp, uh, the app developer. And uh, I've set this podcast up so that we can uh, learn from others in the world of uh, anything that's going on entrepreneurially. And we've been so blessed with all the different guests. And, and tonight, I'm just really excited by the story of Danny Eni. Uh, Danny Eni is the uh, founder of uh, Firepole Marketing. And uh, if you uh, I guess think of Danny as the Freddy Krueger of blogging, <laughs> which uh, is going to be great to get into, the Freddy Krueger of blogging. Uh, he's also an author and uh, he's authored a book called Engagement from Scratch. I'm a big fan of engagement. I can't wait to speak, Danny. It's uh, a wonderful warm welcome to you on the App Guy podcast. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. I'm really excited to be here and uh, I think we're going to have some fun. So Let's, let's really tackle the first thing, which is why are you the, the uh, Freddy Krueger of blogging? I'm sure it kind of happened by accident. It's ironic. I've never in my life seen a Freddy Krueger movie. <laughs> right. um, but what happened was in 2011, when I was just starting my business, Firepole Marketing was you know starting at zero. Nobody knew what it was. I stumbled onto guest posting as a way of getting the word out about what I was doing. So publishing, you know, writing really good content and publishing it on the blogs of other other leaders in my industry. And I did a lot of that. And I found that the more I did, the better traction and exposure I was getting. So it got to the point where I was publishing on a lot of blogs pretty much all the time. And people started to notice. And they started to leave comments. One guy in particular started to say, wow, Danny, it's like you're Freddy Krueger. Wherever I turn, you're there. And the name stuck. I became the Freddy Krueger of blogging. All right. So it was a name that others gave to you, not that you coined yourself. That's right. But, it, you know, I kind of, when, when people started using it, I ran with it. I did go with it because it's memorable and it, it kind of stuck in people's minds. It was a good way to stand out when I was just getting started. Not exactly the brand image I'm going for today. but <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, you know, I, I think the interesting point there that uh, people can learn from is I have a similar experience. The reason I called this the App Guy podcast is because I wanted some easy way of, you know, almost remembering something about me. And I think, you know, if you're listening to this right now, that's, that's a really important lesson to have a memorable way where someone can instantly remember you. And normally it's not by our names. So I think that's a really important, important lesson, I guess, in terms of engagement. Uh, you know, I'd love to know how uh, how you were attracted to the online business, what you were doing beforehand, and you know that story because I think we, we can learn uh, what you went through to become an online entrepreneur. For sure. So I've actually been an entrepreneur for I like to say longer than my adult life. I quit school when I was fifteen to start my first business, and I've been doing it pretty much ever since, um, with I mean varying degrees of success as you'd expect of a teenager trying to run a business. Um, but I was involved in a whole bunch of different businesses. Most recently, relatively speaking, in 2007, 2008, I ran a software startup. We were building technology that helps kids learn how to read. And we were doing pretty well. We had some pretty good successes. But in 2008, the market crashed and it just killed the company. Everything fell apart. And so 
I had to let my employees go. I had to, you know, tell my investors their money was gone. I got stuck with a lot of personal debt. And so I started to rebuild. I started to rebuild my consulting practice as a way of just paying the bills. And I was serving small business owners and entrepreneurs in my local market in Montreal, Canada. And I found that the sweet spot that I was serving, kind of zero to 10 employees, that kind of scale, there were plenty who were doing well and could afford my services. And I built a pretty lucrative practice. But there were also a ton who could not afford my services, needed a ton of help. And I found that I was giving away a lot of my time for free, which is fine because, you know, you, you pay it forward. A lot of people helped me out when I was getting started. But my time in that way wasn't scalable. And so that kind of put the idea in my head to create a blog, a resource to teach how to do marketing effectively in this way online. And fast forward about four years, here we are. You know, um, I mean, first of all, that's an inspiring story. I love the fact that, you know, I mean, a lot of marketers online just think of the bottom line. But there you are thinking about, you know, giving back uh, to, to, you know, the people, I guess, just, just giving back generally and how it's helped you uh, grow your business. And so uh, what could you, I mean, I love your website. I think it's uh, absolutely fascinating. And you know, what, what tips could you give us then in terms of, uh, Mark, okay, so let me just backtrack a little bit. I want to pick up on this issue of personal debt. Many of the listeners are app developers. A lot of us tend to um, build apps sometimes for a lot of money and they're not successful. What advice have you got for dealing with that situation where you build up some debt on the credit card and uh, we need to get out of it? You know, what, what, you know from your experience, what's the, the thing that we need to really focus on? Um, so I've got a few pieces of advice there. Um, the first is, you know, sometimes that happens. If that's your reality, if that's where you are, it's okay. You just deal with it and move on. Um, and at the same time, for people who are like really wallowing or stuck in it, I'd say suck it up. It's time to deal with it and move on. So you, you, you are in that reality. And on, on a psychological level, a lot of the pain that we experience in our lives is about the difference between where we are and where we thought we would be. So kind of acknowledge and accept reality. This is where you are and it's time to deal with it. With that being said, you do need to make a plan. You do need to figure out, you know, how are you going to start making payments, reducing the debt. And it can feel like a weight on your shoulders, but it doesn't have to as much as people make it out to be. Um, the really important thing for you is that you're always on a vector of reducing the debt. And I think it's really important to point out. So I had a lot of personal, you know, we're talking about more than a quarter of a million dollars in personal debt. And I built my business while paying it off. So it's not like I paid wow. it off and then I went and built my business. It's that, you know, I had this debt and so I worked out, you know, whatever the payment schedules were and I was making the minimum payments plus more because you, if you're only paying the minimum payments, you're never going to pay it off. So you always want to be moving in the direction of having less debt. But that doesn't mean that every penny that you have has to be going into that pool. You can still invest some of your resources and energies and effort into building something that can be revenue generating and revenue producing. So this may or may not be the best personal finance advice, but I think the best way in the medium to long term, the best way to pay off your debt as long as you are meeting your payments and reducing the amount slowly, the best way to pay it off is to grow your earning power. So that's where I would focus your your energies and attention which is not to say don't pay attention to the debt and don't pay it off but you don't have to wait for that to be done before you move on to other things like i built more than a million dollar business before the debt was paid off 
you know, Danny, this is so inspirational. I mean, the, the average person could have uh, said, that's it, this entrepreneurial thing is not for me. I've got quarter of a million debt and uh, I hands up, it's not working and, and basically tried to pay it off by going back into work. It, there must have been something that really frightened you about getting back in, uh, into a, like or going into a salary type job or position. Uh, well, no, it's uh, the other way around. I mean, think about it this way, a quarter of a million dollars in debt, whatever a reasonable salary will be, however much of that you can put aside, you're going to be paying off that debt for the rest of your life. So the only reasonable way for me to get that paid off and have a, an interesting future was not a path through a job. Right? Yeah. So I can pick up the freelancing, consulting, whatever work that would be equivalent to a salaried position, you know, in terms of income, and make the same amount of payments and put some extra time and effort into building something that could grow further and faster and, and better position me to pay off that debt and do all kinds of other things. The thing that I'm taking away from this is that uh, it's firstly in very inspiring. The fact that you were, uh, you know, so much in personal debt and you ended up building a, building a $1 million business during that time. Uh, and, you know, we've had, I have listeners contact me. I have, uh, you know, people explain that they've got themselves into debt because they had this great app idea. And of course, it's easy at the start to get carried away and put a lot of money and time into building apps. Uh, we had a guest who talked about someone who created a 50... Sorry, do you need to get that? Uh, no, no, that's, okay. that's fine. <laughs> so, uh, I hope that wasn't your bank managers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that it seems so inconsequential compared to you know your personal situation. And look at how you've got yourself out of it and uh, you've gone on to great success during that period, which could, must have been very stressful. So a very inspiring story. And... Uh, uh, let's move on then to uh, well, let, let yeah. me just add in there because it, it's like the frame of mind in that situation matters a lot and something that I think is a useful reframe for people is that people measure wealth in terms of their net worth how much debt or equity or money or whatever do they have and I think that's not a good measure of wealth a much better measure of wealth is your earning power and that's why I don't feel like my 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 imploded startup was a bad investment of my time or energy. I learned a ton by doing that. I was able to do so much more because I went through that. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if someone wipes out everything you've got and you're back to zero, it's what you know how to do and the relationships you've built and what's in your head and your connections with other people. That's what determines your ability to, to move from where you are. So as long as that is growing, you're okay. And you're going to be able to, to move forward and build new things. So just because your, your bank balance doesn't line up with the earning power that you've cultivated at this point in time, that's okay. Because the bank balance will always catch up to the earning power and not the other way around. So I was recently interviewed by an author who's writing a book called The, the Successful Mistake. And I was asked my most successful mistake. And I ended up going through a time in my life when I... Uh, uh, lost a bit of money on a house and uh, got into some debt. Uh, I think I must have uh, maybe lost about fifteen thousand uh, pounds, twenty thousand dollars. It seems really, <laughs> it seems really small now, and I feel like you should actually, um, <laughs> maybe I should introduce you to that author because that is, um, you know, I mean, talk about a, a successful mistake. You know, I mean, 
most people would have quit, but you almost treated it as a learning curve and moved forward. And, and because of it, you've built something so much more successful than maybe you could have had. Well, I, I'd be happy to talk to the guy. I think it's really important to maintain a forward-looking out, outlook in terms of whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, because that's all there is. So you've been around, you know, a lot. You've um, seen ups and downs. You've been through, um, you know, a, a, the 2008 uh, crash, I guess. Uh, we can call it the recession, heavy recession. Um, it is, are we in a good time at the moment for uh, being online, trying to earn money online? Um, I think it depends what you're comparing it to. Um, compared to the... So the frame, the reference point that a lot of people have is when the online world first began to emerge. And whenever you have a new market space emerging, you have a gold rush, right? People rush in and just by virtue of being there first, they have an opportunity to make a lot of money because there's, you know, being there first when there's hardly anyone there means you have a massive share of voice. It's unregulated. It's, there's a lot of reasons why it's very easy to be the first person in. And, you know, the days of, of the, the gold rush of business online have passed. Um, the days of a gold, the gold rush of the app markets, I think, have, they're, they're much more recent, but they're also, they have passed. They, they are passing if they haven't already passed. But so what? Right? The gold rush has passed, and, you know, you can't fall out of bed and make a million dollars by being lucky and stupid. But that doesn't mean that there isn't good opportunity. That's kind of like saying that, you know, the gold rush has passed in retail or the gold rush has passed in the restaurant business. That doesn't mean you can't build a successful retail or restaurant business. And compared to most businesses, the ability to you can get involved in the business online so much more quickly and easily and inexpensively. There's still a ton of opportunity. That being said, it's not what the, the get rich quick schemers sold to people like years and years ago. So it's not free. It doesn't cost nothing. It doesn't take no time and energy. But relatively speaking, yeah, there's still a ton of opportunity. You just have to grade it on a fair curve of other business opportunities versus on an unfair curve of an unnatural environment of a gold rush. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I was thinking actually for the app market, let's talk, talk about the iPhone. Um, you know, there's so many uh, news articles that come out. I mean, we've had WhatsApp, 19 billion. Uh, we, we prior to that, Instagram, uh, Draw Something uh, you know, by OMG Pop, all these really successful uh, app, indie app development, um, you know, uh, companies. And uh, we we never hear about the thousands and thousands and thousands of struggling indie, indie app developers who uh, you know put an app online and uh, and struggle to to actually make a decent living from it. And uh, we mm -hmm. only just seem to focus on. Uh, and I guess that's not just app development. That's um, uh, you know internet marketing and online uh, and a lot of different entrepreneurial stuff. How can we try and avoid all that noise and focus on adding real value? By doing exactly that, by not getting stuck on the shiny new object of whatever space and industry you're in and focusing on solving real problems. I mean, you've got to remember that entrepreneurial success in general in any industry, it's going to follow a kind of power law distribution. So power, the idea there is that I think a good illustration of this is Wikipedia articles. So the most active Wikipedia article editor has edited over 12,000 articles. And the, the two second most 
or the second most active has only edited 8,000. And the curve kind of drops off really quickly to the point that there's, and there's a really, really long tail. So the majority of Wikipedia users have edited an average of less than one article. So it's kind of the same thing, you know, in, with entrepreneurial success, you've got some super rock stars like WhatsApp and all these that are just, you know, through the stratosphere. And as you drop off from those really high numbers, you start to not hear about success. And the majority of people are way in the tail end of not having any success at all. But there's a middle ground where you can build really successful businesses, not Facebook level success, but, you know, Facebook or WhatsApp level success is what happens at the intersection of a really good idea, a market need that has the potential to be global and very viral and very visible. And most businesses that are even really good businesses, they just don't have an opportunity that big. And there's nothing wrong with the business, you know. You only build a $50 million business, you know, Crimea River. That's not a bad thing. That's totally, totally fine. And most of those businesses exist and thrive and grow because they're not chasing after that home run, you know, basically lottery ticket style opportunity of, of, you know, there's a tiny chance that it'll work. But if it does, boy, it's going to hit big. They're going after the opportunity to solve real problems. Someone has a real problem. They're going to solve it, make people's lives better. And that's what leads to, to real results. And if you stay focused on fixing real problems, creating real delight instead of chasing after the latest shiny object that might make you a millionaire on the off chance that it works, and it's a different kind of project of the month, every month and every week, then, yeah, that doesn't lead to success. But if you focus on real value, on, on building something that's really going to help people, and you're committed to that, and that often means researching and pivoting and iterating and, and all the stuff that isn't sexy about real business development, but it's part of the job, then that's how you build something real. You know, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I just wish there was more of that when I first, uh, you know, came online and uh, yeah, I fell for one of those um, uh, build a list quick and uh, one of those schemes. Uh, you know, it was all part of the training for me and uh, it's led me to where I am now. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's very challenging uh, not to get carried away by copy and w with, uh, you know, some of these shiny uh, new schemes that come out and go viral. Uh, one of the things I think uh, that's very important to me, Danny, is engagement and i've been doing some live webinars recently uh, trying to help people by uh, networking through podcasting and mm -hmm. uh, i've found that um, i've been engaging with people much more personable than than i have done in the past and it's it's been i've been so rewarded for for doing that uh, could, could you talk to us about engagement and what does that mean to you and, and maybe some best practices that we can follow sure so the very basic premise that drives a lot of what we teach is that if nobody knows you, nobody likes you, nobody trusts you, selling anything is hard. And if tons of people know you and love you and trust you, selling most things is fairly easy. Now, what a lot of marketing seems to be about is how do you convince strangers who don't know, know you, like you, or trust you to nevertheless buy your stuff? And, you know, you can do that. You can study copywriting and... and neuromarketing and all that kind of stuff, you can improve your, your success rate convincing someone who doesn't know you like or trust you to still buy stuff from you. But it's a hard sell. You're, you're stacking the deck against yourself. And the, the example I like to use is kind of to illustrate that it's not so much about the, the message as it is about the context and the relationship. Imagine the same marketing message. 
simple marketing message, not super elegant. The words, hey, come here, I want to show you something. And in one context, you hear that coming from a friend of yours at a barbecue. You know, it's not super well-crafted. It's not, you know, there's no triggers of influence being pulled there or anything like that. But, you know, you go over there because it's your friend. He asked you to come take a look. So, of course, you go. Now, imagine the same words coming from a sketchy-looking stranger gesturing down a dark alley. <laughs> it's the same words, right? It's, it's the same copy. But there's no amount of wordsmithing that makes that stranger as compelling as your friend. So, you can... Tr- that stranger and, and hone your persuasion skills to the point that you can talk someone down the dark alley, or you can just be the friend, in which case you don't have to worry about all that. So how would we build up engagement in your mind, uh, given that, you know, we're dealing online. So a lot of it, uh, uh, you know, I was just speaking with the founder of Hangwith, and uh, he's now got a million v- uh, users on his app. Uh, one of his big drivers is that social media, like, uh, for example, Twitter and Facebook especially, uh, has become a little bit untrustworthy because we don't know if, uh, the, for example, the celebrity uh, Twitter accounts are being uh, tweeted by the celebrity themselves or by a PR agency. It's become somewhat, um, you know, a little bit untrusted and, and hence his big drive towards uh, putting an app where we live stream our life and our, you know, ourselves, and becomes again much more trusted. So in this environment where we're not sure, you know, how to tr- trust people and are their Twitter accounts um, auto responders or are they actually real tweets? Have you got any advice for us on how to build up engagement and trust? By being, con- you do it by being consistent. I mean, at the end of the day, someone isn't going to care if your tweets are autoresponders or by someone who works for you, as long as they're always consistently valuable, you all, the, the person manning your Twitter account is always responsive. And I'm not saying that, I, I'm not advocating for automating tweets or having someone man your Twitter account, but I'm saying from the perspective of the person on the receiving end of that, what they care about is that what they get from you is good and valuable and interesting. When they reach out to you, they get a prompt response. And there are a lot of ways to do that. And, you know, just having someone tweeting under your name is probably not a very good idea. Um, but you can deputize people within your organization to say these people are authorized to speak for me. So it's not, you know, Megan who's pretending to be Danny. It's Megan who works for Danny and, and you know, everyone who knows me and, and is part of my, my audience knows that Megan is authorized to speak for me and I trust her, her judgment. And there are a lot of ways to do that at scale. But at the core, it's about don't try, to, don't try to do something that you have to rationalize or explain away. Just because you can get away with it online for a short period of time doesn't mean it's a best practice. The best practices are the things that you're proud to tell your parents or your kids that this is how you do business. This is how you're handling yourself. If it's something you wouldn't want to share, then probably shouldn't do it that's incredibly well put and uh, it's the first time i've heard it like that and it's it's just so sensible uh, just you know an argument uh before we say goodbye i mean we're getting towards the end of the podcast i've got to get a couple more questions in danny if that's okay uh yeah by all means so in terms of uh, smartphone what what smartphone do you carry um i'm an android user okay. um through and through i've never in my life owned 
Apple products. All right, okay, that's good. Uh, and you know what? Have you got any uh, great apps that you feel that possibly haven't been mentioned before that you'd like to share with us? Uh, well, I don't know what gets mentioned frequently on your show, but um, apps that I use and and really appreciate, other than the native ones, um, you know, of my phone, you know, to take notes and my Kindle app and stuff like that. I really like Focus at Will, um, which plays, basically it plays music that you can listen to while you work, but it's music that has been tested and proven to create the right brainwaves to stimulate uh, concentration. Um, my big gripe with them is that uh, they require an internet connection, so the, the time when I would be most likely to use it would be on a plane, which is when I can't use it, so that's unfortunate. <laughs> okay. I know, when are they going to um, get that sorted? We need internet connection on the, on the, on the plane and nothing that's... Well, they in- have internet connections on some planes, but it's really screwy internet. I, I was, mm. yeah, this is a tangent, but I was on a flight uh, the other day and it's like, you know, complimentary Wi-Fi provided to you by American Express. And the internet was like worse than dial-up. I'm like, if I was American Express, I wouldn't want to broadcast. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. is what I'm giving to people, you know? Like, if you're going to do something, do it right. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I recently, um, just a couple of weeks ago, I bought one of these uh, Jawbone Up bracelets, like, you know, like a Fitbit, like a, like a Nike Fuel Band or whatever. And I'm really enjoying and appreciating that in terms of its tracking of my movement, my sleep. I, I get into the whole quantified self um, kind of thing. Um, let's see, what other apps do I make use of? And yeah, get just uh, just on that, we had the founder of uh, Kronos, uh, a guy called Dylan uh, Keel. And uh, what was interesting about that is it can take your Android or iPhone and it can uh, just tra- track on your behalf um, your life, basically. And if you're living an unbalanced life, not getting enough exercise, not getting enough sleep, uh, too much time at work or not enough time with your family, it just gives you kind of you know a highlight uh, of your data uh, and so you know for well, those, yeah it's it's a really um a lovely app and i've, I've been using it and uh, yeah i uh, i just thought you know given that you're wearing the uh, fitbit then um, that that i know that they're looking to integrate it with that uh, or certainly it'll be something you might be interested in cool i'll definitely check that out i do have one more app for your listeners this is something that uh, i just discovered it again recently and it's i'm loving it it's an app called Twilight, and what it does, so the problem that most people aren't, aren't even aware they have is you look at your phone all the time. It's the last thing you look at before going to bed, the first thing you look at in the morning. Now, the problem is that the phone emits a very bright light, which is kind of resets your, your brain's clock to say it's daytime. And so you look at your phone late at night, because we all do, And then you wake up with kind of a phone hangover because you didn't sleep properly because of that. So what Twilight does is it knows where you are in the world. And based on when the sun sets, it starts adjusting the color of the screen to take away the bright light. So it kind of gives it a Halloween-y orange kind of tint at night. But what it basically means is that the phone is not going to interfere with your sleep as a result. And, And that's been phenomenal for me. Well, I'm going to give you the award of coming up with the most unique apps. I mean, there are three apps that have never been mentioned, and uh, I would uh, use every one of them. So <laughs> congratulations on, uh, you know, 100. This is uh, episode 103, and uh, they're the first time I've, I've heard about those apps. So uh, wonderful uh, to, to hear that, you know, you're using those. And, and certainly I'll be, uh, hopefully they're on um, 
iPhone. <laughs> so I think there's uh, it might be a different for iPhone the Twilight one. If they don't have Twilight, look for um, f dot lux flux. I think it does the same thing. Great. Now the other thing as well that we do is that we like to try and come up with an app idea. Now either. You can, if you've got a great app idea and you're willing to share it with a bunch of indie app developers, you know, realize that it might actually get created, uh, then please do, you know, let us know if you've got one. If you haven't, then uh, the, the best way we find that we come up with these app ideas is to talk about pain points in your business, things that have been real frustrating to you, such as the lack of uh, good Wi-Fi on the plane or the fact that the the app that you were using, uh, Focus at Will, uh, wasn't uh, available offline, that, that kind of stuff. So have you got an app idea or have you got any pain points you can think of in your business? Well, something like that would actually be really cool. If you could like have an app that lets you kind of simulate working with other apps on, I don't know how that would work exactly, but you know, tell, tell this app that I want to cache three hours of Focus at Will time so that I can then use, I don't know how that would work, but that would be a cool thing for me. I would, I would certainly get into that. Um, other than that, a lot of the challenge that uh, maybe that I'm dealing with right now in my business is visibility on metrics because we're dealing with a lot of systems that don't integrate super well and it's really hard to export and parse the data. I know there's a web app called Gecko Board that in theory can pull data from all kinds of different places, but we haven't uh, really explored that and we haven't pulled, I think there's integrations and, and parsing that has to be done. I don't think it's that straightforward, but something like that that could just sit on my phone and be like a dashboard of all the key metrics of my business in real time would be really cool. Yeah, no, I, I really, we've had that um, suggestion a couple of times where people are just wanting to find out more about their business on their phone. And uh, I mean, there are, apps uh, for social media like some all uh, some all where they um, they collate a lot of your uh, reach and engagement and uh, pull in uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook and all these different uh, social medias you may be using but in terms of met you know metrics Google Analytics bringing that in metrics um, uh, like uh, on an app flurry yeah all these live in different um, different places some of them have apps some of them don't and it's yeah it can be annoying so uh, to everyone out there, there is the gauntlet. We're throwing it out to you. Uh, can you uh, deliver an app that will collate all the data points that we are typically use in a business and put it into one simple app? Awesome. I would. I mean, I'd pay for that. Yeah, you know, that's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have that as my catchphrase. I think because uh, we, you know, you have a catchphrase here, the Freddy Krueger of blogging, and I'm thinking. I'll pay for that is going to be mine because I almost every guest says that when they we come up with an app idea and uh, it feels good. We just need to build it. That's all. Um, but at least we Sounds know we've got good. one customer. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've got one, you've got a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, we could charge. Uh, I think that the highest charging point for an app is uh, $999. So uh, we could, uh, and I know that a lot of scammers were doing that with kids apps, you know, where, uh, they would charge ninety nine hundred ninety nine for an app and, uh, and and hope that the kid would accidentally press purchase. You know, so mm. uh, uh, before yeah, I guess we're going to say goodbye. But uh, you know, it'd be nice to just get some parting thoughts from you, Danny. How can we best help you? What what, uh, what you know? I mean, I obviously want everybody now to go to firepolemarketing.com. dot com. I think it's a wonderful website. You've got a load of free stuff in there, um, free engagement tools, free. 
reports and video training and it's just a you're absolutely a great resource and uh, yeah so i'd suggest everyone go there but how best can we connect with you danny what's the the best way of reaching out to you um, through the site or just send me an email, Danny, D-A-N-Y at firepolemarketing.com. If I can be helpful to anyone who's listening to this, I'd be happy to. Um, and in terms of parting thoughts, parting advice to everyone who's listening, who's kind of thinking of getting started or building an app, just do it, build it. Focus on not making it the biggest, most complex, super powerful app in the world, but kind of minimum viable product. You know, what's the minimum feature set that it needs? Just build it, get it out there. And uh and, and see what happens and learn from that and then do better the next time. Well, Danny, it's been so enjoyable going through your journey. I've, uh, I've learned an incredible amount. Uh, it, it, uh, it's given me inspiration in terms of, you know, your story and uh, going through uh, the fact that you just remain so positive all the way through the, the hardship of uh, losing all that money and getting your, quite, a, quite a good uh, bit of personal debt uh, and uh, getting yourself out of it through positivity and engagement and uh, just doing the right thing and uh, yeah it's been a wonderful journey so thanks for sharing that all and uh, you're welcome back anytime thank you for having me it'll be my pleasure whenever you want me to come on the show i had a great time and i i certainly hope this was valuable to the people who carve time out of their days to hear what we have to say thank you so much Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast.